Here we go. We're talking about American idols, not, not, the, not the singers, uh, but about those things we deal with in our life. And we've been talking about this. This is now the fourth Sunday morning. We've got two more in this series. It complements our Wednesday night small groups called God's at War. How many of you have been a part of our small group series on Wednesday nights, God's at War? Man, has that not been power packed or what? And so I appreciate you plugging in and getting involved. And I'm doing my best to compliment. And, and, uh, and in fact, that series and this book has made a bigger difference in my life. In fact, this week, I was wondering where this was, and I found it. Uh, so a great insight. God's at war. And so uh, we're dethroning the American uh, idols, the modern-day idols of our time. Turn to two passages of Scripture, Exodus 20 and Philippians 4. Everyone say Exodus 20 and Philippians 4. Turn to those two passages of Scripture, and let's pray together, and let's ask God to let His Word make a big difference in our life. Father, today, we ask You to touch our lives and to help us. Let Your Word come alive in us, Lord. Let Your Word make a difference in us, Lord. Let Your Word, Lord, dethrone these modern-day idols of our time out of our hearts. And everybody said, Amen. Exodus chapter 20 has been our keynote verse. It's been our launching pad. And it is the Ten Commandments. How many of you know the Ten Commandments are still valid today? Amen. And so let's look at just the beginning of them. God's, in fact, the first two are very important to our series. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. There you go. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down uh, to them or serve them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You say, Pastor, come on now. That's, hey, that's, that's old school. We're not bowing down to idols and images. And, and here's what you and I need to understand about modern day idolatry. It's not about idols or images and statues. In fact, how many of you know idolatry, anything that takes the place of God on the throne room of your heart is an idol? Everyone say anything. You see, there's a place in your life that only God belongs. And if we let anything on that place of authority and lordship in our life other than God, it can become or will become an idol. And so those are the modern-day idols of our time. In fact, how many of you know good things can become idols? In fact, you know, in the series, uh, uh, one of the idols that uh, Kyle Eidelman talks about is the, is the idol of pleasure. Our world is so bent on pleasure. And how many of you know the Bible says He gives us all good things to enjoy? How many of you know God wants us to have a blessed life and enjoy life and enjoy the good things of life? But how many of you know those gifts can become God's? Everyone say, gifts can become gods. Even our family, if it gets, if we get the priorities of our family all mixed up and put our family and the enjoyment of our family over, uh, uh, over the lordship of Christ in our life, our family can become a god. And so, so many different things. And you know, I've been to India a few times and, oh, in India, they've just got all kinds of gods. There's gods everywhere. There's thousands of gods. There's millions of gods. Uh, in fact, one time on our way to the Taj Mahal from, 
uh, it was a trip to the Taj Mahal. It's, it's a pretty long journey, the first time I'd ever been there. And, and uh, uh, the whole traffic stopped for hours, and we were wondering what, ha- what's, what stopped it. And finally we got word from somebody, you know, in the, in the stop traffic. Well, God is, is up ahead on an ox cart, and nobody passes up God. I said, somebody let me at the wheel. I'll pass God up. I'm ready to go to the Taj Mahal. And finally, finally, we, we saw God. And he was not at all like what I thought he looked like. Uh, he had a little loincloth on and a big something on his head. And, and uh, sitting in the, however God sits with his legs crossed, on an ox cart. Uh, and so I've seen God. And I thought, that's not really God. Uh, but, you know, in, in India, there's all kinds of gods. But how many of you know, in America... There's all kinds of gods too. We've just changed the way they look and, and the modern day idols. And, and we've got to begin to really understand that idolatry, as, he, as Kyle Eidelman said, it's not an issue. It is the issue in America today. And so we've got to address that. In fact, if you, and it's nothing new under the sun. The first two of the Ten Commandments have to do with idolatry. It's a theme throughout Scripture. And so that's why we're focusing on this uh, for this six-week period to be able to return God to His rightful place on the throne room of our heart. And everybody said, Amen. Now, last Sunday I said this to you in context of the message. I gave you a message called 3D Vision for dethroning modern modern day idols. Uh, And I said this last week. Our prevailing thoughts determine what or who we worship. Our prevailing thoughts determine who or what we worship. Now, that's pretty profound because how many of you know we're natural-born worshipers? We're created. It is in our DNA. You can't help it. You might say, well, no, I don't worship anything. Well, you probably worship yourself. We worship something. That's in our DNA. It's our nature. And if you look throughout Scripture, in fact, when you just look at, at society in general and you go anywhere on planet Earth, to unreached peoples, you know what you'll find them doing? Worshiping something. It's true. And so it's in our DNA. And so our prevailing thought life determines who or what we worship. And so it's so important uh, to begin to get the, get control on the way we think. And so, in other words, our uncontrolled thoughts are the breeding ground for idolatry in our life. And so if we can gain control of our brain, everybody get a grip on your brain right here. If you can get a grip on your brain, if you can begin to change the way you think, guess what? You can change the way you act and the way you believe. In fact, today I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about gaining control of the way you think, believe, act, and live. Follow me for a second. If you change the way you think, You can change the way you believe. And how many of you know your belief system that you've built into your life is based upon how you think? Did you know that? Did you know there's some people who have false beliefs in their brain? Now, here's one. Have you ever met anybody who had a false belief in their brain that they could sing well? I've seen them on American Idol, by the way. They got it built in there because somebody, mama said, oh, yeah, it sounded so good. Man, keep on belting it one day. Listen, let me tell you something. We're going to talk about strength tonight. You know, if you're a two at singing, between one and ten, if you're only a two, 
If you work really hard and spend all your time, energy, and effort, you know what? You might knock it up to a three, meaning you're still pathetic. Right? You ever met anybody in their, in their brain? They think they sound good. They said, somebody told them that, so they believe it. And they go belting it out everywhere. And, it doesn't, and then that when somebody says, you're bad. When you get the X out, then no. Because in my belief system, I'm good. No, you're bad. And so the way we think determines the way we believe. And how we believe determines how we act and how we live. And so what you and I need to understand, if we can get... If we can gain ground and begin taking control of our thought life, we can turn things around. You say, oh, pastor, now I don't know about it. It's just thoughts. Well, does anybody know what Proverbs 23, 7 says? If you do, lift your hand. Man, we ought to all get this one down. Proverbs 23, 7. Everybody say Proverbs 23, 7. Tell your neighbor, Proverbs 23, 7. As a man, and, and ladies, you put as a woman... As a man thinks in his heart. What does it say? There's the principle. So your thought life is the breeding ground for life. Whether for good or whether for bad. And so it's so important. Everybody say, take control. Man, we can take control of our thoughts. And I'm going to give you some thoughts this morning about taking control of your thoughts. And you and I need to understand, hey, as we think in our hearts, so are we. So, hey, listen, if you don't like who you are, check how you've been thinking. Hello. If you don't like you, you need to start right here. You ever met anybody who they were self-deprecating all the time? You know what that means? Oh, I'm just, I'm toe jam, I'm worm, you know, I'm, I'm... You know, how you didn't, oh, I'm, you, know, you, you try to be nice to him. Boy, you look nice. No, no. That's when the, well, I better stop. Pastor Sam wants to come and change the way you think. As we think in our heart, so are we. And so this morning, I want to share some thoughts with you about that. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Paul understood this. He knew, hey, in fact, Philippians, a great passage on the way, uh, the whole book has thoughts about our thoughts. And so he says, finally, brethren, everyone say, finally, brethren. So he says, I'm going to tell you some important things now. Before I let you go, before I get to the, just the, you know, thank yous and, uh, and, and my, and, and, and finishing up this letter, I want to tell you an important thought about your thoughts. And this is what he says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, it says meditate, or King James says, think on these things. Did you get that? Paul actually told us that we can begin to think on the right things. He said, this is important. Finally, brethren, all these good things, righteous things, holy things, just things, virtuous things, hey, just began to think on these things. Everyone say, think on these things. And so we understand the power of our thoughts. You know, the reality is, this world has a powerful influence on us, doesn't it? 
This world has a powerful grip on how we think. We are in the information age. Everywhere you look, things are bombarding your thoughts, right? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? I mean, right now, I mean, some of you probably already tweeted three things already. You're, you're bombarding, you're getting it, and you're taking it, and, you're, and thoughts, and we're living in the information age. And sadly, much of what uh, it bombards us is not good, healthy, holy thinking. And you know what that does? It opens us up to idolatry in our life because whatever we think on, whatever is the prevailing thought life, determines how we live, act, and move, and have our being. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so I want to turn the tables on that. I want to be able to build, in fact, did you know your heart, the Bible talks about the Word of God, uh, Matthew 13, you ever heard the parable of the soils? It's about our heart and how the Word of God comes into our hearts, and, and there's different types of soil. There's some soil that's stony ground, and the Word can't get in, and the Word can't take up residence in our life because our hearts are so hard. I want to turn the tables on that. I want to plow up the fallow ground and begin to uproot these things in my life that have caused my heart to be hard to the Word of God. God. I want to turn it around where my heart is open to what God has to say, where he can come back into my life and he can come back into our lives and take up his rightful residence on the throne room of our heart and kick these modern day idols right out of our brain and right out of our life. Somebody say amen. And it begins with how we think. Now, I'm going to give you the right stuff here this morning. Everybody say the right stuff. I'm going to give you some good stuff for developing an idle-free thought life. Oh, I would write these down if I were you. Because you want to think on these some more. You want to meditate on these some more. The right stuff. Now remember, we've been talking about this. How many of you know we can't keep attacking the fruit of the problem? We've got to get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem many times is right here. Between these two little funny things on the side of our head, our thought life. And so, everyone say, you got to get the root. Come on, everybody say it. you got to get to the root if you're going to kill the fruit. You see, you keep trying to attack the fruit. you got to get to the root. you got to kill this thing. And the root of it many times is our thought life. And so, uh, now, here we go. Anybody ever heard of the phrase replacement therapy? You heard of that? Uh, a counselor? Yeah, I've, I've heard of that. Here's the, here's the concept behind re replacement therapy. And primarily, you probably hear this with drug addiction. You know, if you've got a heroin addict, the, some of the, some of the therapy is, okay, we're going to replace that addiction with another drug, a less, uh, a less invasive drug, a less addictive drug, and we're going to replace that with something not so bad. You get the picture? Uh, you get the picture? Man, I'm telling you, that may or may not work when it comes to that. I really don't know. But it sure works when it comes to God's word and will in your life. In fact, remember what Kyle Eidelman said. I quoted him last Sunday. He said this, idols are not defeated. The idols are defeated not by being removed, but by being replaced. Idols are not defeated by being removed, but by being replaced. It's replacement therapy. And did you know you can replace the way you think with a better way of thinking? 
That's what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatever is good, right, holy, virtuous, start thinking on these things. It's called replacement therapy. I'm going to do therapy on you this morning, okay? I'm going to, as Stacy said, we made up a word. She's a speech pathologist, and she gives people uh, speech therapy. She, she, she'll help you say your words right if you'll let her. Uh, and we made up a word a number of years ago, therapalizing. Some of you need some therapalizing in your brain. Look at your neighbor say he's talking about you this morning. You say, how do you know what I'm thinking? Well, because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I've been watching you. I've been watching how you act, think, live. And breathe. And so I know what you've been thinking about. And so, hey, we need a little therapy this morning. I'm going to give you the right stuff. Here we go. The first one. The first. Let me. Here's some great replacement therapy. If you want to dethrone these modern day idols in your life and begin to replace them and get control of your thoughts and gain the uh, and get uh, get get control over your thinking, the way you believe and the way you act and the way you feel. The first one is just simple. Begin feeding on the right stuff. That's the problem. We're feeding on the wrong stuff. We're allowing the secularized culture of our day to feed our thinking processes. Am I wrong or am I right? If I'm right, say, you're right, pastor. And so we can turn the tide on that. Ryan and I were talking the other day about our culture. How many of you know we got some messed up culture in the world today? And the messed up culture is invading the church. Listen, I'm telling you, I know, I've been, I've been kind of talking, I've been kind of listening around. There's people in churches all over America today that have watered down the gospel to the point to where it's okay, what used to be not okay is now okay, and what's never okay is kind of okay, and so they're watering it down. Why? Because they've been feeding on the wrong stuff. You know what they say, garbage in, garbage out. And if you got issues right here, listen, and most of us do, it's because we've been feeding our brain and feeding our life and feeding ourselves the wrong kind of stuff. You can't feed in the garbage pit of life and expect to live the blessed life and not have a messed up brain and a messed up life. But we can begin to feed on the right stuff. You can replace it. That's what Paul was talking about in Philippians 4.8. He said, hey, all these things, meditate on them. Think about them. Chew on them. Let them begin to build a, a, a residual impact in your life. It's not just a, a verse a day. You know, some of you, here's the totality of your, the Word of God in your life. It's pick a promise. Anybody still got the pick a promise? Kind of like a fortune cookie. Use the Word of God like a fortune cookie. You know, you pick a promise and, you know, you get your Bible out. Anybody ever done this? I think, Lord, speak to me. Jesus, I need help, Lord. Lord, and you just, uh, show me. Lord, you, and you know, God, just be, I must pick my finger right there. And I'm just going to trust you to speak to me. You know, you put your finger in there, it says, and he went out and hanged himself. That, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. He says, you start meditating, feeding on the right stuff. Psalms 1, one of my favorite. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of, un, of the ungodly, nor standeth in the path of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate. Somebody say meditate. 
There's that word again. Meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatsoever he doeth prosper. When he feeds on the right stuff. Amen. In fact, here's a per fairly safe therapeutic question. In counseling, people start bubbling up all this terrible stuff. Well, what have you been feeding on? In fact, I told Ryan this, Ryan, a number of months ago, someone just puked all over Ryan. Um, not literally. And let me just throw a man of God. Just puked up all over him and just poisoned his whole day. We're talking about that. And I said, Ryan, let me, let me just throw this out at you. If anyone pukes upon you, in reality or even verbally, they are undoubtedly sick. They have ingested something that has not been good for them. And so the next time somebody pukes upon you, you say, oh, I see, you're puking on me. You're undoubtedly sick. What have you been feeding on that has upset your spiritual tummy? And oh, by the way, don't ever puke on me again. It's because you're feeding on the wrong stuff. Am I right or am I wrong? Hey, you want to change the way you think, believe, act, and live? Start feeding on the right stuff. If you feed on the right stuff, hey, things will begin to go well for you, just like Psalms 1. You'll be blessed. You'll begin to live the blessed life. Why? How can that happen? By changing the way you think. It'll change the way you believe. It'll change, and, and because you change the way you believe, it'll change the way you act. And when you change the way you act, you'll change the whole life around you. Amen? Wow. you got to feed on the right stuff. Number two, to, to developing an idle-free thought life, you've got to follow through with the right stuff. Everyone say follow through. I'm not a golfer. I'm not a tennis star. But there's the phrase called follow through. In other words, when you swing at the golf ball, you got to, come on, y'all are, y'all are tight this morning. All right, come on, it's group participation. Help me out. My wife's not here. I need your help. When you swing through the golf ball, it's called a, it's called follow through. When how many of you know when you're swinging at a tennis ball, you don't go, what do you do? You, you follow through. Let me show you the follow through. Look, at, look back in Philippians. Are in Philippians? He says, whatever things are good and, and praiseworthy and, you know, and wonderful and lovely, think on, meditate on these things. Look in verse 9. Here's the follow through. And the things which you learned, everyone say learned, and received, everyone say received, and heard, everyone say heard, and saw, everyone say saw, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, here's the follow through, these what? Do these things. And what will happen? The God of peace will be with you. In other words, what you hear, you've got to follow through with what you hear. When you began to feed on the Word of God, and you began to get the right stuff coming on on the inside of you, you got to follow through. It doesn't, hey, it's not good enough just to say, that was a wonderful message, Pastor. 
What do you have to do with that wonderful message, Pastor? I told somebody this one time, I'm stand, it's when I used to stand in the back, there's one way in, one way out, and I, whether you wanted to or not, I was going to shake your hand. I get everybody, I'm shaking your hand whether you want to or not. And people come through, and they'd say, that's a wonderful, a wonderful message, Pastor. Somebody kept telling me that. Finally, I said, well, what did I say? They went, oh, oh, I don't know, but it was wonderful. That's not very good follow-through. Hey, the word learn, it just means to gain knowledge. He said, what you've gained, the knowledge you've gained from me. He said, what you've learned, and then the next step is received. Everyone say received. That word means to receive near, to associate with, to intimately become involved with. That's talking about applying what you hear. We're talking about what? Come on now, help me out, look up at me. We're talking about, we're talking about follow, following through with what you learn, you, you receive it. And then he says, these do. Now that little two letter word is powerful. It means to practice over and over and over again, to follow through. You see, the reason most of you, you come out of church, you go, whoa, that's a great message, man. I love that. I'm going to change my life. And you go out on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, and you never, Read your Bible, pray, feed yourself the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God day and night. You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Oh, yeah, Pastor. Get up Monday morning, grab your phone, your Facebook, and your Instagram. And I do that sometimes myself. I'm a bit of a words with friends addict. I'm confessing my sin. Hey, we got to practice this stuff. We gotta apply it in our life. Come here, Ryan. Oh no, he said, oh no. Bring your Bible. Give me your Bible. Hang on, Ryan. You need it from the other side. Hey, that's the way we get we get slapped by the word on Sunday morning. We go out, man, that hurts so good. But how many of you know? Monday morning, you got to follow through. You got to put it into practice. Everyone say practice. You see, if you want to change the way you think, and change the way you believe, and change the way you act, and change the way you live, you've got to start feeding on the right stuff, and then you've got to follow through with what you hear. It's called follow through. Apply it and appropriate it in your life. And let God begin to go to work in you. He said, in the God of... Here's the, here's the benefit. You know the benefit of follow-through? The God of peace will be with you. Amen? It's powerful. There's so many illustrations in the Scripture about the power of follow-through. I think of, you can turn here later, James chapter 1. Everyone say James 1. About 11 or 12, he talks about temptation. 
And he talks about how temptation, this is the negative side of follow-through, how you're tempted. It says when you're tempted, and God doesn't tempt anybody, he says, but when you're tempted, you're drawn away and enticed by your own desires. And when desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin has been accomplished and comes forth, it brings forth death. That's the power of the negative follow-through. When you're tempted and you embrace that thought and you begin to ponder it and the desire begins to build in you and you ponder it and you think on it and, oh, I'm not going to do it. Yes, I might do it. Oh, I'm never done it before but i think i'm well going to do it oh gosh i did it i can't believe i did it am i the only one who's been down that road that's what happens when you follow through with temptation it brings forth spiritual death in your life but then in verse 25 26 in there he talks about the word here's the other side of the coin he said let me tell you something he said if you'll get a hold of the word of god and not only be a hearer of the word but a doer of the word. Somebody who follows through, you'll be blessed in whatever you do. It's the power of follow through. Everyone say feed on the right stuff. Everyone say follow through with the right stuff. Number three, you got a fellowship, pardon me, fellowship with the right stuff. Now, this is important. Did you know you are who you hang around with? No, not me. Uh-huh. Hey, if you want to soar with the eagles, why are you always hanging around all those turkeys? we got to learn to fellowship with the right stuff. If you want to change the way you think, and change the way you believe, and change the way you act, and change the way you live, you've not only got to feed on the right stuff, you've not only got to follow through with the right stuff, you've got to start fellowshipping with the right stuff. In fact, Paul said this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 16, and in Philippians, different places, he said things like this. The 2 Corinthians 6 says, hey, understand something about you. What fellowship has light with darkness? What communion has the Spirit of God or the temple of God with idols? What fellowship has, has, has your spiritual temple of God with idols? What is he saying? Man, if, if you're mess, messed up in what you're fellowshipping with, you're messed up. Paul said this to Timothy. Now listen carefully. 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, flee youthful lusts. And oh, by the way, here's a way to help you do it. Flee youthful lust and pursue after righteousness, faith. This is replacement therapy right here. And pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. In other words, start fellowshipping with people who have a like heart, a like mind, and they want to serve God with boldness and sincerity of heart, and they want to shake off these idols of their life, and they want to get free, and they want to get their thought life right. Hey, you are who you hang out with. you got to fellowship with the right stuff. That is if you want to change the way you think. I love what Paul told us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the last verse, the last phrase of his letter to the Corinthians, he says, may the communion of the Holy Spirit, that's the fellowship, may the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See, if you want to change the way you think, 
You got to start fellowshipping with the right stuff. You got to start follow, following through with the right stuff. You got to feed on the right stuff. And finally, number four, if you want to change the way you think, thus change the way you believe, and thus change the way you act, and thus change the way you live, number four, you got to forget all the wrong stuff. Everybody said, just forget it. Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives us the preface to this insight uh, about, uh, about changing the way we think. Look what he says uh, concerning forgetting. Verse 13, he says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Everybody say, one thing I do. In other words, he said, I'm going to tell you one thing I'm going to do that's so important. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward toward those things which are ahead. Let me tell you something. Some of the, some of the worst hangups in life are things of the past. Some of the worst strongholds to get through are those things that happen to you. Listen, some of you have been scarred by the 9-11s of your life, by the traumas of your life, and it's changed the way you think. Divorce people, traumatize, and it changes the way they think. Listen to me, I know what I'm talking about. I haven't been divorced, but I've talked to a lot of them. Losses, traumas, things in the past programs your brain in a certain direction. Paul says, forget about it. It'll hang you up. He said, oh, pastor, how can I forget about it? It's called replacement therapy. Paul said, I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. I'm not looking back at the traumas of my life. I've got a friend, by the way, who had a trauma in his life a number of years ago. And this is not, uh, he had a stroke. And his stroke, it was traumatizing in his life. And it actually, you know, did damage in his mind. But you know what? Because of that stroke, you know where life begins for him? At the stroke. And you know what it's hard for him not to do when you start talking to him? Everything, all he can talk about is the stroke. Uh, well, you know, I had a stroke. You know, I had a stroke. Yeah, I had a stroke. I had a stroke. You know, and, and, and it may be hard for him even, you know, physiologically to get through it. But uh, I've, we've actually said, hey, stop talking about it. You've got to change the way you think. If you're going to get healed, you've got to get past the past. Everybody say, get past the past. There's some things you just got to forget. You've got to forget the wrong stuff. Listen, regret is a dream killer. Look at your neighbor and say, regret is a dream killer. Well, I regret that I ever did that. I regret. Let me do, hey, let me throw this out to you. Let me let you off the hook a little bit. You want me to let you off the hook a little bit if you're all hung up in the past? How many of you have ever done anything in your past that you terribly regret? I think that's all of us. So look at your neighbor. I said, look at your neighbor. And say this to them. Forget about it. Forget about it. I can't, Pastor. I can't. Well, hey, listen. Paul said, I'm forgetting about it. Don't look back. Everybody say, don't look back. Everybody say, don't look down. That's the way a lot of people live life. 
their theme song in life. Now, some of you younger people won't know this song, but for the older generation, you'll know. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. Didn't that give you the warm fuzzies all over? Let me tell you something. Some of you know, you know how you walked in church today? You had your head up, but inside you're going, Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Why? Because you can't forget about it. You can't look back. You can't look down. In fact, did you know the Bible even says you're not supposed to look to the left or the right? In fact, Josiah, it says about him that he did what was right in the sight of his father's sight of God. He didn't look to the left and he didn't look to the right and get distracted by the, other issue, the, the side issues of life. Listen, how you forget about the wrong stuff? Get your eye on him. And don't let it off. Just realize that's what Paul said. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I'm not looking back. I'm not looking down. I'm not looking to the left. I'm not looking to the right. I'm pressing forward. I'm pressing forward. I'm coming out of this mess. And I'm changing the way I think about back there or what happened over there or in this issue or that issue I'm not letting the traumas of my life formulate the way I think anymore I told you about a lady years ago I was counseling her she's on about her third marriage and my wife and I were talking to her, and she finally, she said this. She said, well, all men are cheaters. I bristled up at that a little bit. I said, say what? <laughs> See, when my wife leaves, I get a little crazy and cranky. She keeps me balanced. Everybody say, say what? She said, all men are cheaters. I said, say what? She said, all men are cheaters. I said, no, they are not. I'm not a cheater. Am I, baby? I'm not a cheater. What happened? She let the 9-11s of lie program the way she thinks. You see, we got idols in our life. And the reason they're there is because of the way we think. If you change the way you think, you can change the way you believe. You change the way you believe. You can change the way you act and the way you live. And you can walk free. It's replacement therapy. Now, some of us, because of our religious background, you may want me to slap on you and push you down and bind devils. We can do that. I mean, if you've got a devil, we'll get rid of that sucker. praying for one lady one time years ago and I found nothing was happened. Finally I said, 
Come out of that devil woman. Y'all are a little slow. I realize, hey, you're not a devil. This is just flesh. Somebody who's hung up in the way they think. Come on. Now, hey, if you, want, if you need a little of that, we can do that for you. But I can almost guarantee you, in fact, according to the Word of God, if you change the way you think by yielding yourself to what God says, by feeding on the right stuff. Everybody say, feeding on the right stuff. Let me tell you something about the right stuff. When you start feeding upon the Word of God and you start feeding upon the place of prayer, you start feeding upon uh, upon the fellowship of the saints, I'm telling you something, there's liberty that begins to happen in your life. You start getting the right stuff going in, guess what? You start thinking the right thoughts. It's just the way it works. Amen. Now, we're going to close. I got one minute, 30 seconds. Let's stand together. Now, I won't be long, but I want to pray for you. In this room today, most of us have issues with the way we think. You are not an oddball. Tell your neighbor you're not an oddball. That's so fun. Tell, tell, tell the other neighbor, you're not a wacko. You're not whacked. Come on, tell him, tell Shannon he's not whack. Okay, all right. She's, listen, if the truth were known, none of us would want our thought life plastered on PowerPoint. Am I right? So we're in this thing together. If somebody sounds shocked if you told them the way you thought, that's just to cover up their own thoughts. There's no temptation taking us, but such as is common to man. That God is faithful who will not allow us to be suffered beyond our ability or be t- uh, temp- tempted beyond our ability, but will with that temptation provide a way of escape. And the way of escape for us is replacing those thoughts with His Word and will and ways in our life. Feeding on the right stuff fellowshipping with the right stuff following through that's a big word for most of us today with the right stuff Father today we thank you for your word that is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword Lord the battleground of our brains is so profound Lord the traumas of our life have ingrained within many of us strongholds and struggles. I pray today that Your Word would begin to stir and soften our hearts today. Jesus, we yield our thoughts to You. Come on. Let's lay our brains at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, help me today began to replace the way I think with how you think. And I know you think good thoughts towards me, Lord. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us dethrone these thought patterns in our life that have been ingrained within us. Help us to feed on the right stuff. Help us to follow through this week with the right stuff. 
and practice and practice till the strength of God arises on the inside. In Jesus' name, Lord. I want you to spend a few moments right now just saying, Lord, breathe on my brains. Come on. Oh, we need His help today. Lord, breathe on our brains today, Lord. By Your Holy Spirit. Help us forget the wrong stuff. Help us forget the wrong stuff. Those that are here today and their heads are hung down, I pray You'd lift up their heads. Lord, those that are here today who are hung up by the past, looking back, regrets. Help them, Lord. Turn their attention toward their future. Birth a future and a hope within them, Lord. For our hope is in You. Our hope is in You. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come this morning and scatter out across this front. If you need prayer today as we close, these folks will be here to pray with you. They know how to pray. They'll not, they'll not be shocked. They'll pray and agree together with you. So when we close in a few moments, if you need prayer for anything, come take one of them by the hand. In fact, all the prayer team, y'all smile so you don't, just make your smile, make sure you're smiling, you know. I know it'd be kind of hard to approach a frowning prayer partner. But so you come take them by the hand. Anything, hey, wherever you need prayer, you come take them by the hand. If you're searching for a church home today, this would be a great place to plug in, I promise you. Uh, you'll grow spiritually. Uh, the young man to my left, Ryan Castile, when I came here, he was how old, Ryan? 13? 15 years old. Now he's our youth pastor, and student minister, and great friend. And it all happened right here. Church on the Rock North. You see, we may not have all the biggest and the best, but I tell you, if you come here and plug your family in, it'll change their life. I can promise you that because it's the power of the Word of God. So if you need a church home, come and just take them by the hand and just say, I believe God is adding me to Church on the Rock North. We'll receive you into the church family. They'll give you some information, help you begin to grow spiritually and to get to know your new church family. And everybody said, Amen. How many of you are going to follow through this week? Come on. You're going to follow through? We've got to follow through, don't we, Josh? We got to feed on the right stuff. We got to follow through with the right stuff. Hey, man, we got to fellowship with the right stuff. And we got to forget all that wrong stuff. One more time. So just forget about it. What good does it do for you to drag us all through it and yourself all over again? You might feel better for a moment, but we're all going, ugh. He puked on me. Lord, I bless this church family today. I thank you that idols are coming down, Lord, not because of being removed, but because of being replaced with the right stuff. In Jesus' name.
Everybody said, amen. God bless you today. We're going to count to three and we're going to shout glory. Everybody got a little glory in you? And if you need prayer, you come this way, not that way. If you, if God's adding you to this church, you come this way, not that way. They're going to be smiling, ready to, to greet you. We're going to count to three and shout glory. Count, And then Wednesday night, our small groups, God's at war. Don't miss it. It's great stuff. Here we go. Count with me. One, two, three. Glory. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Amen.